Hey, so guess what? Oh, I can't wait to guess so, what. Do you remember many, many episodes ago, we talked about one of my very favorite food heists, which was the couple that stole a bunch of wine from a place in Spain. Yes. Right? This yes. was a very professional hit. Mm-hmm. It was $1.6 million worth of wine, yep. including one bottle that was like $300,000 all by itself. They caught him last week. Really? Yeah. Nice. They did. This was a man and a woman, and this mm-hmm. is like straight out of a James Bond novel. They caught them on the Montenegro-Croatia border, <laughs> which just sounds like a classy place to get caught by the police, right? Mm-hmm. So it turns out that you know once they figured out who it was and, and caught them, they had cased the restaurant three times already. They had timed everything flawlessly. It was all very planned and very careful. And now they are caught. And they were identified by security cameras. They've actually got little security camera footage that shows them. If it was that professional, how did they get caught on security? Was it when they were casing the joints? Or did they actually leave their faces exposed while they were stealing? I mean, to be fair, I don't know if that is how they caught them. Okay. Because this article doesn't actually say how they were caught. Mm. The caption on the photo says, another image shows two people departing the scene. So this might be when they left early in the morning rather than them downstairs. And this was like the security camera across the street or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know. But do you think that the people who steal wine feel like fancier food thieves than the ones who steal like (laughs) Red Bull or something like that? Like, do they, do they, is there like an echelon where you get to lord over others that you're like, well, I'm a cheese thief. I think that it might just be different categories because the Mm -hmm. Red Bull heist, we calculated that had to be multiple trucks. Yes. So that was clearly like this master plan with lots of moving pieces. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is more of like a really kind of classy two people who apparently just spent the last nine months on the run in Europe drinking fancy wine. Like, I remember there was a lot of speculation at the time that they had been hired by some underground collector to yeah. get... No, they yeah. just the two of them they just had this it. wine, yeah. and they were tooling around in Europe. They were just drinking it. I guess, yeah. It doesn't say if they were trying to sell it or not, but... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I just imagine that there's, like, some cabal, you know, <laughs> that they all get together... And they make the person who, like, steals pretzels sit outside. You know, they, they have to be in the foyer. They're like, come on, pretzels? Really? Yeah. But like most awards shows, at least in publishing, there's always the debut award. Yeah, yeah that's true. So if it's like, you know, the guy who stole a whole bunch of steaks because he just happened to be walking by and the fridge was open. Yeah. He gets an award. He gets an award. He yeah. he, he he can join them. It was easy, yeah. and it, it wasn't. He can't drink the fancy wine that was stolen, but <laughs> you know they might give him a Red Bull. They'll, they'll give him some of the gnocchis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of gnocchi. <laughs> that stuff's just, yeah, yeah. So anyway, they caught those people. The end well, of a food heist. We are committed on this podcast to delivering journalistic integrity and <laughs> follow-ups on important matters yes. facing our society. The journalistic integrity part is why I said, I don't actually know, like four times during telling you that story. Hey, that shows real integrity. Yeah. Right? I mean, how often do journalists just, just, just say they don't know they stuff? Don't know. Are we journalists? I don't know, and I didn't look it up. Ooh. <laughs> do we Now count? I feel bad. <laughs> I hope we're not journalists. See, but you're reporting on food heists. Like, 
That's journalism. I was about to say, I'm not reporting. I'm just reading CNN out loud. But, you know, that's what a lot of local news stations <laughs> yeah. do anyway. The so. AP reports. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I know you're- In that case. You, you yeah. Might. I don't think I am. I think you are a journalist. Mm. I think, you know, under our business cards that we, of course, have for intentionally blank, it's like lead <laughs> journalist. It's like, lead journalist. Yeah. But then, see, you, by association, you're an anchor person. That's true. And so mm-hmm. you That's are true. a journalist as well. Well, I'm really like the Ed McMahon. That's too old. I'm the, you know, you're leading the food heist. I'm just on the couch You're the chuckling guy on the couch. Them. You're Paul yeah. Schaefer uh, over yeah, by the I'm, piano. Yeah. Cracking Boy. jokes. Maybe we use a reference to a, a to talk a, to show a modern one that isn't. I don't watch any modern old. shows. I mean, Conan had. Who's uh, the Andy guy Richter. in the Roots that's there on on? Uh, is it Fallon? Yeah, it's yeah. Fallon. I haven't watched that. Oh, I watched okay. Conan, but it's canceled now. That's so. Andy Richter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you can um, be my Andy Richter. I'll be Andy Richter for the food heist. So we looked at the poll. That yes. Adam put up about topics a that long time ago. It was a while ago. We but good things come to those who wait. Yes, we maybe take our time sometimes. But one of the most requested things was stories of us role playing. Stories of us role playing, and or dumb stories of us in college, <laughs> which are basically which are the mostly, same. Thing. We're nerds. Yes, we didn't do other stuff in college. We worked in college on a small press science fiction magazine called The Leading Edge. Yep. And we also played a lot of StarCraft and a lot of Diablo 2. Yes, we did. Often at the same time we were working on the magazine. I remember finishing at least one of the issues when we were in a computer lab on campus Mm -hmm. at like 2 in the morning and there was one room that was all work and the other room was all StarCraft and we would just move back and forth whenever we needed a break. So... Role-playing. Yes. I remember when 3.0 of D&D came out. Mm-hmm. We talked about our initial role-playing stories. I remember talking on the podcast about how we both got in through TMNT and stuff yeah. like that. What's your college story? Because with me... Well, yeah, go ahead. My college story is you, basically. You were the one who got me into D&D. Okay. You or Eric Ehlers or both. Mm-hmm. I had never played Dungeons & Dragons until 3rd edition, which came out while we were in college. Yeah. And we decided, oh, this is cool and new and exciting. Let's get together and let's play this. And yeah, yeah. that's where you, Little Grunt came from. You kids, well, we'll get to Little Grunt. <laughs> you kids do not understand how big an upgrade there was in role-playing back in the early 2000s, late 90s. Because yeah. role-playing in the 80s and early 90s was a miserable experience that you made fun. <laughs> the amount of math required... To just mm-hmm. swing a sword at somebody was insane. Yeah. D&D had this thing called Thacko. And there's, right now, there's mm-hmm. grognards out in the audience who yeah. are so angry at us because they love old school role playing. And that's fine. You can love it. Yes. We did not. You can love, like, things that are very complex attract a certain audience. I mean, mm-hmm. I play yeah. I play the Dark Souls games because of the difficulty, right? So it's okay, but it was very off-putting. Both that, the World of Darkness, the Vampire the Masquerade, first edition rules, GURPS, all of these old school rule systems were just so complicated mm-hmm. that you were fighting with a calculator to figure <laughs> out how smart your character was. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it is because... 
there was really only one style. There was simulationist yeah. role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And without going too far into the theory, that's not the only way to play. You don't have to be, you know, old school Gary Gygax, yeah. chainmail, trying to accurately recreate combat in order to role-play. But that's what it all yeah. used to be for and a long time. And then third edition came out. And third edition D&D just streamlined a whole bunch of things and somehow made the game more fun. There are other games that have been simplified like this. The West End Star Wars game was one of my favorites growing up. And it went, oh, it, I loved very, that one. And it turns out that having a simple system that lets you do the things you want to do encourages a lot of fun storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing if a game system is streamlined, yeah. particularly an imaginative game system. So third edition came out and I bought a copy and my roommate at the time, Micah, loved to DM and we ran a whole campaign together. That wasn't with you, but that was kind of me getting back into it. Then I came to my friends at Leading Edge and said, let's do some D&D. <laughs> and this is yeah. our first experience kind of easing toward what became a fundamental law of the universe, which is Dan and Brandon cannot, cannot both be players. be both players at the same time. Yeah. We can play together. Mm-hmm. We just can't both be we players. We can't both be players. In yes. fact, it was West End Games Star Wars that was mm-hmm. the final nail in that coffin where we said, okay, that's the end. But we'll get to that story later. We will get to that story. First. But first was Little Grunt. That was Little the Grunt. First he was time. my first D&D character ever. Yeah. So this you listeners and watchers might enjoy. I did a bunch of stuff that became Stormlight Archive. And mm-hmm. my world building, not very much, but the Coloss, well, I guess the Coloss were not Stormlight, Mistborn. The Coloss yeah. were the bad guys, these blue-skinned monsters that eventually became the Coloss. There was something else I did that Boy. turned into Stormlight. I remember over the years, lots and lots of little things yeah. from role-playing games that would eventually appear in your books. I would try these mm-hmm. ideas out on you mm-hmm. guys and see which ones actually worked and were interesting, and then retool them eventually and use them in world building. Yeah. But why don't you tell us the story of Little Grunt? (laughs) Little Grunt. So very first campaign Mm -hmm. that we put together, Brandon was the game master, and let's see, the players were me and Eric Ehlers. Yep. And Izzy. Mm Mm-hmm. And was it Megan, I want to say? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so the four of us. Mm -hmm. These were all people who worked on Leading Edge with us. So Mm -hmm. we're all nerds. We were all like professional writers or Mm -hmm. wanted to be professional writers and editors and things like that. Yep. Eric was a troll or a half troll or an ogre or something. He was an ogre Mm -hmm. whose name was Big Grunt. Mm -hmm. And I was a half orc who had been raised in the wilderness and I was named Little Grunt. That's just what... People yeah. started calling the two of you mm-hmm. in the in the party. I don't remember yeah. what your original actual name well, was. Well, I very specifically didn't, didn't have, have one a name because right. he was raised completely like by lizards. Yeah, he had no civilization whatsoever, and I think Big Grunt probably had a real name before because he right. had an actual background and he was like, was he a paladin or was yeah. he just a fighter? No, he was I, oh. very much a yeah. noble warrior who was like the big hero. He was. Frodo and Aragorn combined into one character who was also an ogre. He was a very cool character. Yes, he was. But he was not very high on the IQ stat. No, he was not. And we started, I believe, just calling him Grunt. And mm-hmm. you didn't have a name. Yeah. And so you're like, I'm Grunt too. <laughs> I am also Grunt because that was the first name that, yes, I that you'd ever heard. Ever heard. 
So I was playing this half-orc who was completely, you know, devoid of social graces or wisdom of anything. But and you had a high IQ. Or yeah. A relatively high IQ. Very just smart. Very low wisdom. Yeah. And uh, no social skills whatsoever. And he was... I can't remember. I think he was a sorcerer. He was one mm-hmm. of the sorcerer wizard, one of the magic classes. This was third edition, so warlock wasn't really a thing. And you came up with, because Brandon always does house rules, Yep, a wild magic system, a chaotic magic system. Yep. I like to design classes for mm-hmm. characters and give them the opportunity. Basically, I like to design a class for a play style and say, you're acting like this. Here's a, in d d be like, mm-hmm. here's a prestige class that you can go into that'll better follow the type of things you enjoy doing. Yeah. And so I ended up with chaotic magic, which was basically trading predictability for power. Yep. Being able to get much more powerful spells, but we weren't sure what they would do. Yes. Or the side effects. And I would have a big list. If you want to know what it's like to role play with Brandon, it is detailed world building and enormous numbers of random tables that he has designed himself <laughs> to encourage yes. fun role-playing scenarios. You're going to find so many decks of many things or wands <laughs> that you don't know what they do. Or mm-hmm. would you like to take this bargain from death? You don't know what boon you'll get. And, you know, or you can yeah. ask for a boon and you get a random side effect. That yeah. sort of thing happens all the time. Very much. Death who was Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> in all of my campaigns. I don't know why, but he was. Why not? Yeah, it makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So, Little Grunt, there were three key moments in Little Grunt's life that Mm -hmm. were like the defining features of what happened to him and how everything came about. And the first one didn't actually use the randomness at all. It was the very first person that we killed yeah, the I, first which was like the villain. The first little minor villain, like mm-hmm. the mini boss that you fight in the first episode that brings you together as a group, was some, you know, minor noble named Pardol, mm-hmm. who I still use in many of my campaigns. And actually, maybe even in one of my novels, I think I have a Pardol. Anyway, so we killed him. And because I was this feral orc that was raised in the wilderness, I kept his head in yeah, a as sack. one does. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. why not? And eventually formed that head into a helmet. But I decided that would be like one of the things that Little Grunt did is he just saved the heads of anything important that Uh we killed. Yep. And so I eventually had a big sack full of heads. The second key moment in Little Grunt's life came when you had a monster that cast some kind of insanity spell. Yep. And I was the one who failed a save. Everyone else got through it fine. Yep. I failed my save on this very powerful you insanity spell. You didn't fail it. You rolled a one. Yeah. yeah absolutely you critical, critical fail. failed. It was yes. the worst possible we, thing. Yeah. Which, yeah, spawned the famous quote, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I guess I'm licking the walls. That became a thing in our friend group for a while. Yes. And so in order to determine what the nature of my insanity was. We had a patented Brandon insanity table. Yep. This one I actually got out of a book somewhere. Yeah. I think it was was. based on the Palladium ones. It was. I just pulled out the Palladium insanity table. That's what I did. Yep. They love the random lists of things. And Mm -hmm. so when I needed a random list for something I hadn't come up ahead of time, I went to them. So yes. Pull out rifts or TMNT or something. I remember getting out a book for this one. Yeah. and, And rolled 
power association, mm-hmm. which is like the Popeye thing, right? Yep. You have this incredible power, but you think it comes from the spinach or whatever. Yep. And we decided that Little Grunt's power association was Pardol's head that he carried with him. So he then, you know, thought that this was his god and he, it would, you know... Grant him he, the power to cast spells. grant him the power and the magic spells. Yep, and that's when you started picking up this wild magic thing and mm-hmm. it all kind of came together. Yeah. And then important event. a major fight. Yep. This was like the end of the second act kind of campaign thing. Mm-hmm. We were fighting some horrible villain, and I can't remember the nature of it, but had to pull out every stop we possibly had. Yep. And so I used all of the features of this random magic class and said, what's the absolute most powerful thing I can do without knowing anything of what it was? And we rolled, and Brandon's tables were, like, nested, yep. and there was so many, and we had to roll, like, seven times to finally get down. This table will send you to this table, and that result will send you over here. And at the end, it turned out that we had, like, a level nine boosted mm-hmm. revive dead or resurrection or something like yep. that. And we all thought, well, what is that going to do? And then we realized that I had a bag of heads and was wearing a helmet made out of the guy's skull that I thought was the god granting me all my powers. Yeah. And that changed everything for the rest of the campaign. So instead of defeating the bad guy with your super powerful spell, mm-hmm. it brought to life your heads. All the heads came back all to life. All your heads came back to life. And they started talking. Yes. And it was wonderful. They were the power association, particularly Pardol's head. Mm-hmm. And so you had this villain on your head who did not want to be there that I would run as an NPC who mm-hmm. had no volition because, you know, you yeah. he was attached he to your head. He wasn't actually a god. We didn't give him back his body. He just remained as a skull. And that campaign was hilarious because Dan is really good at running this sort of character, being in character, particularly a character that's very quirky. If you can imagine, he is very good at this. <laughs> and so this... Orc that didn't understand society, that was, you know, doing the comb mm-hmm. your hair with a with a fork sort of stuff that, yeah. you know, the Little Mermaid would do, except more extreme and more weird. Yeah. And more often than not, as dark as we could make it. As dark as you could make it, but really good natured. That's the thing you have to understand about this character. He was pleasant, but disturbing. Mm-hmm. He was really trying to understand pleasant, society. but disturbing is what it says on my business cards. Yeah. Really trying his best to understand society, to be part of it, not understanding why, you know, he can't set his skulls up along the table as we're having dinner to show off his great accomplishments. They were there with us. Mm -hmm. They helped defeat the enemy. They deserve to be part of the party. Yeah. You know, and as pleasant as he was, that was the big final showdown. Brandon had built this thing that was supposed to be. Don't tell this one because I'm actually going to use this in a book. Oh, you're going to use this? Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting for years to use this in a book. So don't say anything. We're going to keep this Yeah. After I use it in a book, you can tell the story. Then we'll say, oh, by the way, that Mm -hmm. thing, Little Grunt was there. Yes, Little Grunt was there. (laughs) You guys are going to love this. It is involved in the ending of Stormlight 5. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Is it going to go... I will tell you off okay. camera yeah. how no, it's going no to go. No more spoilers there. Let's just say I came up with one of the best endings for a story that I have ever come up with. 
And because it's role-playing, the PCs did not play along. Ruined it completely. Ruined it completely. And I'm like, I'm going to use that someday. And I actually put it right in the outline to Stormlight like a week or two later. And it's been waiting all of this time to be used. A week or two later, and that would have been like 99. So it's been waiting a long time in the wings. It's been waiting a long time to come. So that's why I'm hoping it doesn't get spoiled. Okay. Well, I will not spoil it. So that's what it's like to role play with Dan. Mm-hmm. Role playing with Brandon. Let's see. Did you run any campaigns? The that only I... thing that I ran yeah. in which you were a player yeah. back in college days mm-hmm. was we did a very brief rifts campaign. Okay, I remember that. Yeah, we had you as I think a cyber knight. Mm-hmm. That didn't last very long. It's not a lot of stories I yeah. remember from that one. No, that one wasn't super great. Were I do you... remember that that is where I kind of codified in my head that all of Brandon's role-playing characters were either evil or dumb. Yeah. Because that one, he was the paladin guy. Yeah. And you played him as this very kind of Dudley Do-Right kind of brainless guy. I really enjoy that archetype. Mm-hmm. Were you there for Farg? Mm-hmm. So I remember Farg. Farg is a dwarf wrestler. Third edition had some wrestling rules. Mm-hmm. They were bad. But I'm like, ooh, I can build a wrestler. And so I built a fighter built completely around wrestling, which is mm-hmm. a really good idea in like MMA or martial arts and a really terrible idea for group battles. Yeah. Because my character would jump on somebody and get them to the ground and be punching them on the head <laughs> while fire was starting and dragons were flying yeah. around and explosions. And the rest of the fight would yeah. go around and then we'd go back to Brandon and yeah. say, what is your character doing? Well, I'm going to punch him in the face again. Yep. And just very slowly whittle one guy down. Yep. But he was also a little bit mentally challenged in the whole IQ department. Mm-hmm. IQ was his dump stat. And so Jordan was his brother. My brother in mm-hmm. real life was- Farg's brother. Farg's brother. Though I think Jordan was a human. And so they were raised together. They were a stepbrother's. And his job was to try to keep Farg from ruining everything because, you know, (laughs) he liked to Leroy Jenkins and just run in and then tackle things and stuff like that. And the fun of that campaign was playing a character who made my brother have to be the big brother because he's my little brother, right? (laughs) And making Jordo be the big brother to Mm -hmm. me. We don't really have a big brother-little brother relationship. We're both close in age and close in maturity. But it was very fun to force Jordo into that role where Mm -hmm. I was going to do something stupid, and he knew I was going to do something stupid, and he would do his best to prevent me from doing something stupid, so I would do something stupider. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was so much fun. The exasperation from Micah the DM. Mm-hmm. I thrive on exasperation from DMs yeah. when I'm a player. Well, and that is a character that I was aware of, but not a campaign that I was in. Okay. Because, you know, that dynamic was Jordo trying to stop your character from being the yes. crazy one that ruins things. Yes. Whereas any character I would have played would have absolutely yes. taken that madness and run with it. Because we have talked about Darth. Well, that's Star Wars. That's where yes. we're going. So where we're First, going. we need to talk about the other side of the Brandon characters, which is the evil. Evil is a... <laughs> a um, it is a reductive word. Reductive. There you go. Yeah. You know, maybe not bounded by D&D's rigid and let's just say 
biased and perhaps yeah. prejudiced. Little judgmental Judgmental alignment, alignment system. system. A conscientious dissenter from the alignment system, shall we say. <laughs> Which is just, you know, another way of saying lawful evil. <laughs> Lots at, of lawful evil. At least I don't the elf. like The don't, ancient yeah. elf. I don't like chaotic evil. I do yeah. like lawful evil. The ancient elf, I would actually have put as lawful neutral. Probably. He had his evil moments. He wasn't really evil. He was just a necromancer. He was a necromancer. Again, conscientious dissenter. I do a lot of necromancers who are like, yes. this is a renewable resource that we are just throwing away and making no use of. <laughs> Society is just not understanding of, I mean, third edition rules. You could make a skeleton. This is the other part of Brandon. Brandon is a power gamer who tries hard not to let it ruin things. But it's yes. very hard for me. I'm a magic system guy. It's very mm -hmm. hard for me to not look at a system of rules and say, there's the corner case they didn't consider. That works way better than they think. For instance, undead. Skeletons. It was 50 mm -hmm. gold for a permanent eternal servant. Yeah. Not very smart, but you know the amount of labor you can get out of a permanent <laughs> eternal servant. Mm -hmm. That 50 gold investment can turn into quite a bit of money if yeah. you know what you're doing. And so necromancer, it's, you know, yeah. if you're worried about capitalism exploiting the labor of people in a very real sort of way, you can get around that by just using their corpses. Yeah. After yeah. they've moved on to yeah. a better life, mm -hmm. they're not using these bones anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so when Eberron came out in mm -hmm. the early 2000s, there was an entire elf nation that were full of necromancers. They worshiped death. They thought that, you know, death was just a natural extension of life, et cetera, et cetera. And Brandon saw that and was all in. I was all in. What was that character's name? Sinathar. There we go. Sinathar. Sinathar. So this elf society had like these leaders that were granted undeath, mm -hmm. immortal undeath, to become the pantheon of leaders in the society. And my character was, I went and said to the GM, I said, what's the oldest I can make him that you'll let me get away with? And he's like, all right, like look at the lifespans, add mm -hmm. 10%. You're like 10 or 20% beyond the life expectancy of an elf. You are really old. Yeah, This played into a lot of my things. It was a really fun character dynamic. I never played a character like that who, who couldn't physically really walk. Didn't you use slash abuse some of the age rules as well? There was an optional rule where you could so, lower your physical stats and raise all the mental ones? So it was min-maxing. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you gain one wisdom and one intelligence and lose one strength and one con and one dex. So yeah. you lost three stats and gained two. And the next time you gained two and lost six, you lost two of each. <laughs> and then I think there was one more category where you gained two mm -hmm. and then you lost three in each one. And wow. he was that category. Yeah. So he had the bare minimum on strength, dex, and constitution that you could have. I think you can't get below a three mm -hmm. with this, these rules. Whatever the rules were, yeah. it was the absolute minimum. Absolute minimum. And and with con that low, you yeah. had huge hit dice penalties as well. Huge and hit dice penalties. This, yeah. this campaign didn't quite go to 20, but it got way up there, like 17 or 18. Yeah. And you still had like, I still had like know, 40 hit points yeah. total. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but I know how to use all the spells in D&D &D really well. 
I am very, mm-hmm. very good at this. And the other thing I'm very good at is persuading DMs that they should work the way I say, right? <laughs> and so I would have, he was a wizard. He shot for the prestige class that was like the arcane savant that was mm-hmm. wizard and cleric. And so he did half levels in each of those until he could get that. And so by level 17, this guy was like a 12th level wizard and a 12th level cleric that I had boosted in other ways. Mm-hmm. And um, who could barely walk. Who could barely walk. But you had a palanquin yes. with skeletons, skeletons that would tear you around, around everywhere. Yep. <laughs> It was really fun because I got to play the grumpy old man. In elf terms, this is like a 900-year-old grump mm-hmm. who is on a quest because they said, you haven't lived a good enough life to get on the Pantheon. So you need to go accomplish some stuff. And he's like, really? 900 years of service and I'm not? So he was really mad. He's like, I'm going to go prove it to you. I'm going to go save the world and then you'll have to put me in. And so he went out and found an adventuring party and said, yeah. take me with you. We're going to save the world so I can be resurrected to be an undead leader yeah. of my people. Well, and if I remember, it was mm-hmm. the most classic you yeah. meet in a bar kind yeah. of adventuring party opening. Yeah. And so we're trying to describe mm-hmm. that we're all just there. Mm-hmm. And then this palanquin, born by skeletons, comes carrying in. the ancient elf comes in through the door and barely fits and it ruined like every map that Micah had prepared was like, okay, where does the palanquin fit? I eventually got it to float. As soon as I got a high enough Mm -hmm. level to buy a floating carpet, I just sat on the floating carpet with all of my stuff and I would float around behind (laughs) everybody else, stay very well out of way and lob spells. And he was a lot of fun. He's the character I got to the highest level of any character in D&D I've ever done. Sinathar. Senathar, he was a great really one. old. Yep. But there's Brandon doing some power gaming. <laughs> but then we should get So now we, we've we already talked about Star Wars. We've right? already told that story on the podcast. The Star Wars one? Yeah, we have. Oh, well, okay then. You can give us a short, but I'm pretty sure we've talked about Darth. Okay. So the uh-huh. very short version, this is the one where we finally decided, yeah, uh-huh. uh, Brandon and Dan cannot be players at the same time. Yes. By the way, in that Eberron one. I was basically doing Little Grunt again. Yeah, you were. I was a very wild shifter ranger Mm -hmm. guy who was trying to maximize how many attacks he could do per round. Yeah, that went pretty well. Where it broke was Little Grunt, and there was another one. Do you remember it? We played Heroes Unlimited, and we rolled random powers. And this was right before, and this one imploded, Mm -hmm. as did. So we had two campaigns in a row implode because both you and I were players. Yeah. And we both decided to do our wacky stuff. Like, Sinathar wasn't so wacky. He wasn't Farg-level wacky. He wasn't mm-hmm. ruining the campaign. And yeah. your character in that was not ruining we, the campaign. We, we were trying to rein ourselves in. Yeah. Then we did a Heroes Unlimited, and you yeah. had, like, the literal... Mm-hmm. Who was it? Asimov, spot on the wall? Yes. Yeah. You had the spot on the wall I made power. spots, and I was a leprechaun. And, and you made spot on the wall be yeah. the most deadly and horrific power... Yeah. That the GM could not balance any encounter because you were able to use your I can make a spot on the wall. Yes. In the most devious and horrible ways. Yes. And so I was breaking the campaign and my character was just off the wall personality wise. Like he wasn't actually a leprechaun, but he Mm -hmm. thought he was a leprechaun and he was trying to get back to the kingdom of the Fae and he was just off the wall derailing the campaign with his wacky things that he wanted to do. And meanwhile, you were. I was the inner demon guy. Yes. I had rolled some various things and I can't remember exactly what they were, but it involved transformation. It involved like blades that could come out and decided to theme that as 
he had an actual like monster inside of him and he was convinced that he was a terrible person. And so he was an absolute downer. We had Brandon over here as this sprightly little Lucky Charms guy running around. And then we had me going out of my way to find the worst characterization of everything that happened. And to the point that one of the characters, it was Nate Hatfield, mm-hmm. he like started drugging my character with like uppers yeah. Yeah. just to remove the dourness. Nate Hatfield, who uh, named a bunch of stuff in Mistborn. He was mm-hmm. in the writing group. He came mm-hmm. up with the term obligators and he came up with the term canton for the various, if you've read Mistborn, there's mm-hmm. like the cantons that are the religious, not sex, but parts of the city. The, yeah. The very, and he, the he, neighborhoods. He, neighborhoods. He gave me all sorts of cool naming things. Yeah. He's, He's awesome. He still comes to writing group now and then. He lives in Portland, but he flies in once in a while to come is to writing Portland group. Is he in Portland or is he in Seattle? Still? Seattle. It's yeah. Seattle. Sorry. Northwest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so that one died mm-hmm. because the GM couldn't handle yes. those two characters. And then the next one was a D&D campaign, I want to say, but it died quickly as well. And then Alan decided to take upon himself to play yeah. a Star Wars game with us. And he was going to use West End, mm-hmm. and he was going to GM, and he was such a funny GM because he would tell us which part of the outline we were in Yes, as we moved through things, which was so funny. But you wanted to be the Jedi Apprentice, but Dark Side. And we had a whole yep. episode about this, I remember, because mm-hmm. it was called The Sith or yep. Upright and Good. And I was the quixotic Jedi who thought he had powers but didn't and was trying to train you. And yeah, it just, everything went as wrong it as it exploded. could It just exploded. That's actually one of the more miserable experiences I can remember role playing. A lot of the other ones, like even the Lucky Charms Dower guy, <laughs> we had fun. Yeah. We just realized we were ruining the campaign for others, and so we decided to move on and try to rein mm-hmm. ourselves in. But we had a little too much fun in the Star Wars one because I still remember our character interactions being great. Yeah. But it just turning miserable very quickly. When you have two evil characters who have no moral compass. Yeah. Well, uh, and mine wasn't evil. He yes. just wasn't good either. He didn't have a really clear yes. sense of anything. Yes, he um, was a he was a conscientious objector. Well, he wasn't even conscientious. He was an unconscious objector yeah. to the um, uh, morality system. Yeah, it was. Anyway. Well, and it plays into, I think part of the thing is that I don't like some of the Star Wars world building. I like have a mm-hmm. kind of philosophical, I like it as a concept. I just disagree with it strongly. Yeah. And I dislike that they have leaned into it rather than leaning away from it. The whole idea that any sort of attachment ruins you. I mean, they are drawing on some real world inspirations for this. So I understand why they've leaned into it. But without the Buddhist framework to understand why attachment and all of this stuff, how that all works, and you just transpose that to Star Wars, I think it just breaks it entirely and makes a very difficult to empathize with system. And so my character... Played that way. Fighting against that. Fighting against the, and when you're not buying in, like this is one of the more important things with role playing. You want to buy in to everybody else's vision of what is going to make this fun. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, when you all buy in together and the DM is bought in together, then you have a wonderful experience. If everybody understands it's a little bit silly, then you can all be a little bit silly together. If everyone understands, look, this character is wacky, but he needs to take seriously the events. You play into that. Mm -hmm. Like Little Grunt is a great example. He wasn't breaking the fourth wall. He was part of the group and the adventuring. He wasn't, he was a 
character who was fun to be around. He didn't make fun of the system or the game. Yeah. And and really, yeah. our Star Wars characters were you and I reacting against Star Wars yes. itself mm-hmm. rather than playing fun characters within that world. And, exactly. And so yeah. that lack of buy-in was a big problem. I would say our problem with the other campaign, the superhero campaign, was... You know, we could probably, if we reined ourselves in, be players together, but you should not give us a set of dice to roll random characters because (laughs) that's what we did. You and I both Mm -hmm. just wanted other people like to choose. We're like, no, no, we're doing Heroes Unlimited. If you haven't played this system and Palladium loves to have these tables where you can roll every aspect of your character. And that's fun as writing prompts for us as writers. It's like a sealed deck. Yeah. You know, exactly. get this random thing and just do the best you can with it. Yeah. How can you use that you can make spots appear and that your character, like, is from another dimension and your character, like, loves bright colors and, like, how mm-hmm. do you work this together into a cohesive character? And the problem is that those sorts of random things can end up inherently silly. Yeah. And so we lean into that, and then Which, suddenly it breaks things. And, and we're we're much better role yes. players now than we were yes. at that time because that didn't have to go as poorly as it went. No, it didn't. You know, it was just us mm-hmm. trying to probe the extremes of what we could do without really. I mean, after yeah. this was when we had, for me, one of the best. Were you there with the with Earl's? I'm not in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of the best experiences that I've had role playing. And we were both players in that again, because Micah would have been the DM. And this is the one where we all had started to realize, just make it a fun experience for everyone. And I think we've told the story. I won't go into it deeply, but we have a mutual friend, Earl, awesome guy, who had died in one of our campaigns earlier. Mm-hmm. And it had been a little traumatic for him to have his character die. Yeah. And he said, I'll come play with you guys, but I just want a character who can't die. And normally, like a lot of people would be like, oh, you can't do that. Death is part of the game. You know, it'll be unfun. But we were mature enough at that point as players to gather around and be like, all right, let's build you a character that can't die. And we will lean into this and it will be something fun for us, knowing that that's what would make Earl have a fun time is that his character is basically immortal. And, you know, I know if my kids played a role playing game and one of them was immortal and the others weren't, they would feel it's unfun. It's Mm -hmm. unfair. Yeah. But we were like, great, you have fun the way you want to. We'll have fun the way that we want to. And we all talked it through and came up with characters. And he ended up with this basically yeah. immortal character, which was great. That began as our monster campaign. Yep. And we were all playing monsters. I wanted to play a mummy who was a paladin. And we were trying to figure out how this you know dark energy creature could be a paladin and decided that he was actually a god who had died and mm-hmm. was now a paladin of himself. Yep. And for the record, we named him Pardol. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Paladin of himself is the... Yeah. And Earl was the... What was I in that? Was I a... Uh, I want to say I was like a, a young dragonling or something Maybe? like that. I honestly don't remember. I no, remember no, Earl, Earl and I dragon. and that was it. I w- no, I was a mind flare. Oh, that's right. I was a mind flare. Yes. Of course I was a mind flare. Yeah. I was always looking for minions and brains to eat. Uh-huh. And we were all <laughs> monsters, so it was okay to have one of us be yeah. the one who's like, can I eat its brain? And you were a very polite mind yes, flare. Yes, I was extremely yeah. polite. And I just like, again, you know, conscious is objector to the idea <laughs> of morality uh, as presented by the D&D books. 
we're out of time and we didn't even get to. We're going to can of worms this. We're going to go. Which because one? Because Brandon's weird campaigns that he built. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have to sometimes talk. About talk Big House. We have never talked about Sexy Beard. Armando. Armando Sexy Beard, the yes, hardcore. The hardcore. So <laughs> you can look forward to Dan's character, Armando. Oh, man. He showed up in Legion. If you've ever read Legion, Dan as Armando showed up in there. I should mention, you brought up Izzy. Izzy just showed up in one of the secret projects. So when oh, you read, you'll cool. be able to see her. Named Izzy. Named Izzy. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, how's that, Izzy? Izzy. <laughs>